With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Broadcasting from Atlanta, Georgia, this is The Bright Side with Technisha. A daily broadcast on real-life issues that will keep you motivated. And now, here's your host, Technisha. Good afternoon, everyone. Today is June 17, 2014, and we have another blessed for day. And welcome to all to another episode of The Bright Side with Technisha. Glad that you are here. And if you... Fill up to it. You can call in at 347-426-3751. You can also chat in the chat box with me, which I will leave up. If you want to hit me on my Facebook fan page, which is The Bright Style with Technicia, do that too. I'm at Twitter at TDay60. So today with me is another great guest. Himself. He got a flamboyant style about himself. His name is Lucas Corvetta. Um, he is a writer, a comedian, an actor, a producer. You probably heard of him. But if not, you will hear from him today. He, he has a great spirit. Um, so let's keep our minds open, our ears open as well. Let's tune in. Lucas, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you, Tanika? I'm doing wonderful. As, as many of my guests have, you also have it too. Too many hats. Too many. I, but <laughs> I am blessed with many hats and many shoes. Right. <laughs> So, Lucas, let's get a little, little bit about you. Uh, tell us a little bit more about your background. Um, well, my background is I started out I, uh, when I was around 16 years old. I started selling promotional products. Um, and I started selling promotional products and then went on to uh, when I turned 18, my parents helped me buy a printing company. And I owned that for about two years and, and sold it, uh, pieced the equipment off. You know, that was a really difficult time because I had uh, I had lined up work. You know, I was at the time when I sold it, I was 20 years old, and uh, it had done very well for about a year. And then we lost a lot of our customers because of, um, of cutbacks in the government. We had a government contract. And, um, and so we, we had a loss in business, and for a whole year it was nothing but struggle. But I ended up finding the bright side, and I love the name of your show. I found the bright side because I knew I was going to be closing the company down, and I had one employee by this point. Um, and every single Friday for two uh, for two months before I closed the company, every single Friday, me and that employee, his name was Joe. We went out and played bowling. He was in his day. He was, uh, you know, when he was working for me, he was about sixty, sixty six, sixty seven years old. But um, uh, back in his day, in his heyday, he was uh, a champion bowler. And every single Friday, he took me and he taught me how to bowl. I figured the company is going to shut down anyway. I might as well make the best of this situation. And, and he was on the clock for it. And um, and that got me through through having to deal with the fact of, oh, you know, I'm having to close this company down. I sold the equipment and uh, sold the company and started another business and, and so 
told that and was able to get into film. But I remember um, a day that changed my life. It was, I believe, March 18, 1998, and I was going to be turning 16 years old, and I had just started selling promotional products. And uh, I walked into business. I was solicitating. I was 15 years old, turning 16, walked into a business and gave them my business card and, and some promos and stuff. You know, I'm trying to, to sell, and I'm 15 years old, you know, trying to make a little money. And uh, the lady looked me up and down from head to toe, and I was dressed in um, oversized jeans. I weighed 70 pounds overweight. I didn't take care of my acne. And she turned to me very pretentiously and said, we don't need your services here. And I walked out of that business, came home, and I remember it was a Friday. I came home, and I looked at myself in the mirror and said, and started crying, and I said, I am going to change my life. And from that moment on, I changed my life. I, uh, I lost 70 pounds that year. By the time December had come around, I lost 70 pounds. I went from 175 to 105. And I'm a smaller guy. You know, I'm a smaller frame guy. And uh, I started taking care of my skin, taking care of my acne, getting rid of it, and, and, um, and dressed well. I realized that first impressions do matter in a world uh, that we live in. Unfortunately, it does, you know. Um, unfortunately, we get judged on first appearances. But I went home and I changed my life, and, and it was for the better. So I used that bad situation that happened to me and said, I am going to become a better person even though I was mistreated. And, um, and so here I am today. You know, I'm loving life, and I work in film. I'm spokesperson for Clear Sky Skin Care, which is a skincare product line uh, that is made specifically for individuals with bad acne, uh, whether you're uh, 15, 16 years old and you're having to deal with hormones and stress and testosterone, or you're a 45 a 50-year-old woman who's dealing with hormones that are just, you know, you're having hot flashes and cold sweats and you're ready to throw the remote at your son, <laughs> um, you know, it, uh, uh, it really helps with, with skin care. So I'm a big advocate of, of quality skin care because when you are confident on the outside, it can be, uh, it's also on the inside. And so, um, yeah, life has been pretty good overall. You know, no complaints. Well, well, see, that's a blessing, and I and I do like the fact of the bathing that it was off Breaking Bad. I I can't stand that show. Don't come on anymore. That was a good American crime drama series. If nobody never seen it, it was on AMC. I think it lasted for at least five seasons at the most. It um, and I think the main character was Walter White. He was like a struggling high school chemistry teacher, and he was diagnosed with lawn counselor, and then he turned his life to crime. But it was it was awesome. If nobody never really got a chance to see it, just try to probably get on Netflix. It it was they said it was one of the greatest um, television series of all time. So that was awesome movie. And I'm so glad that everything is working out for you. And you know, I'm glad that you're on my show because it brings awareness to others out here. Because sometimes people shown away because of their sexuality, and I'm glad that it's coming through now. Um, so let me ask Lucas, what do you think of the series, The Orange Is the New Black? I, I love that it's that everyone is falling in love with this new series. Uh, you know, 
I love it. I watched all of the first season of Orange is the New Black. The moment I watched the first episode, I was hooked, and I told my sister, I said, you've got to watch it. You know, and, and um, because my work, I'm an you know, actor, comedian, I work in, in entertainment. I am not, I don't go to a nine-to-five job like most people, but my sister lives, at, uh, she works in the same town in which I live in Santa Fe, and almost every single day that I didn't have work, or wasn't busy, I would go to her office and, and during lunch, during the lunch hour, we'd get some food and go back and we'd watch Orange is the New Black because it's not, uh, you know, and, and uh, Diablo does it, I forgot her name, uh, her full name, but Diablo is, is a writer. She, um, it isn't as like Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad, I got to say, is one of the best written uh, TV series I've ever watched in my life. And I was hooked it was filmed here in New Mexico, uh, where, where I live. And, uh, in fact, I'm spokesperson of Bathing Bath. It's a spin-off product from Breaking Bad, the TV series. So we've got the bath salts, the bath lotions, the scrubs. The bath salts look like the meth. Don't snort them. Uh, they're, they're legitimate bath salts for, the, for your tub. So um, it's a great product line. But uh, Orange is the New Black is really a great series. I have not started to watch it yet on Netflix. But the way the industry is going right now Everything is going to be streaming online. Everything, all, all your content, you will be able to watch it online. And I think that's great because um, it's more entertainment for, for individuals and it's at your hands, it's at your fingertips. You could pull Netflix up on your phone right now and start watching the series. Um, it really is a well-written sh- uh, show as, well, as Breaking Bad was. It is uh, fantastically it is. done. And you mentioned and, something and about I- my... Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, go ahead, Lucas, what you were about to say. Okay, you mentioned about me being uh, comfortable comfortable with my sexuality. Um, and I wanted to talk about that. I, I thought, you know, that's something I want to talk about today because that wasn't always the case. Um, right. Uh, when I first came out of the closet, it was around 10 years ago. And, okay. Um, uh, it was actually, eight, let's see, about nine years ago, I guess, and I had just moved to L.A., I was living there for a short time, and and, um, and when I got there, I was still in the closet about about my sexuality. Um, somebody asked asked me a question about being gay, and I said, "No, no, I'm straight." And they're like, "Oh, we just thought you were part of the family, part of the gay family." And and this entire time, I was putting up this facade and and just saying, "No, no, I'm straight." And uh, and then my friend uh, sat me down and said, "You know, I think you're." gay, but I'm not too sure if you're comfortable with it. And, I ha- and she said, whatever you are, you know, whether you're straight, gay, bisexual, curious, if you're just, you know, it doesn't matter. We're, we're here. We're family for you. And I told her, I came out to her and I said, you know, um, I am gay, but the hardest thing is I don't want people to reject me and, and I'm going to, you know, I'm going, I'm going to be going back home and my worry is that my family will will reject me and that, and that I won't have a family anymore. And she said, you will always have a family with us. So if your family rejects you, you can always come back here and you will always have a home here. And um, and I came back to New Mexico and uh, that gave me the courage because I knew somebody out there in the world loved me and I knew I had a home wherever. I knew I had a home in California with my friends. I knew I had a community that loved me. And that gave me the courage to come out to my mom. Of course, I had to uh, buy a whole case of, of wine and, uh, and get her drunk and get me drunk before I came out to her. But um, uh, 
but I did it. You know, I came out to my mom and I said, um, and I thought it was going to be a disappointment to her at the time. I thought me coming out to her was going to be a disappointment, and it had it. It wasn't. What it was is it was a release and it was a uh, it was a blessing in disguise. It was something that I was now able to live freely and be who I am. And if I hadn't done that eight years ago or nine years ago, I wouldn't be where I am right now. I wouldn't be able I wouldn't be able to talk about this confidently and and know that my family loves me. Know that somebody in the world loves me for me. And um, right. And if there's anything I want to get across to your listeners is uh, wherever you're at in, in your state in, in your stage in life, that's not where you're that's not where you end up. Um, it's just the beginning. So if you're questioning or whatever you're having to deal with, you know, it doesn't have to be about sexuality. It could be with uh, having to leave a boyfriend because he's abusive. It could be having to to move uh, for a better career opportunity. Those are changes that we come that, that happen in our life, and they happen for the better. And it's being able to embrace and see the fine line, the, the silver lining in it, and say this is going to make me a better person. Maybe not to, maybe not today, but me having the strength to do this today will lead me to a better life later on in the future. And um, and that's I, I can honestly say in my life that's what I have. And now I'm able to use that in comedy form. I'm able to use that on stage and and portray that to my audience. And um, because there's always going to be haters out there. There's always going to be somebody that hates me for whatever reason. I, You know, there's a million reasons. But what I want to focus on is the people that love me. And I told my family this. I said... There's a third of the population will hate me. A third of the population don't care about me. And another third of the, third of the population will love me. And that's the side of the population. That's the side. Those are the people that I want to focus on, on the ones that are going to love me and support me and, uh, and that want to go see my comedy show, that want to go see a movie with me in it, that want to see a TV series that I was in. Um, those are the ones that I want standing beside me. Are, is that third of the population. The other ones, we're all going to have that in our life. We have that in our families because we can't choose our families. We have that in our work environments. We can't choose that. Um, but we can choose the ones that we want to be around and feed off of that positive energy. And um, so I try doing that. You know, I try doing that every single day. So. Right. And that's one thing. I'm so proud that your mother... She didn't turn you away. Cause that's one thing about a mother. We're supposed to still love our child or our children so unconditionally. Even at that birth, when all the child is doing is crying and getting on our last nerves, we're still supposed to have that connection with our child, no matter if they're blue, black, whatever. That love mm-hmm. is a bond. I, I mean, I don't know what my daughter's expectations are, but I'm never going to disown them. So I'm glad your mother that socially developed loved with you. I'm glad she never turned to her other cheek on you. So that's that's really good. And the fact that I know it, it was hard coming out, and even Laverne Cox from the Orange is the New Black said it was hard, especially in the transgender communi- community. A lot mm-hmm. of people don't respect that. And the main thing most people focus on when it comes to transgender is genitalia. Um, did you change your um, – 
organs and all that, your genital area and stuff. Most people focus on that. And I, I know it has to be hard because people have not accepted still. But you know one thing I do like, Lucas, that now all these shows are coming out like Glee, Modern Family, and what's the other one, The New Normal, that it's having a direct impact on more people especially on the LGBT community, and a lot of people are respecting it more now. It's more people are in favor of gay marriage now. We're seeing it the way it is. We're not taking it in a negative perspective because one thing the Bible says is not to judge. So I'm, I'm glad a lot of people are respecting it. And for the ones who don't, then they just don't. They're just going to be stuck in their own world. Right. And I think that's, that's very interesting. Those that don't accept the change, they that's fine. They will stay there and, and they have their world and, and I respect I respect them. I will say I will I will still respect you. It may be difficult at times, but I will respect you because I know that within time change will come about even in your life. Because before I came out of right. the closet, my parents did not accept gays. In fact I remember a time where I was watching when Ellen DeGeneres was on her on her sitcom, and she had come out of a closet on her sitcom, and she had come out publicly as well. And my parents did not let me, did not let us watch Ellen DeGeneres after that point. What they didn't know is I was, you know, thinking of Neil Patrick Harris in my private time. But um, anyway, <laughs> he, uh, my parents did not let us watch Ellen DeGeneres because of that reason, because she was a lesbian and she had come out of the closet. Then I came out of the closet, and it changed my parents' perception. It hit home is what it did. Right. It hit directly to their heart. And when you hit directly into the heart of a person, that's when change happens. The fact that Ellen DeGeneres was straight and came out had no effect on my parents except a negative effect because they didn't have anything to relate it to. It, it, never, it did not affect their heart. It affected their mind. When, when Ellen DeGeneres came out, it only affected their mind. It did not affect their heart. I touched my parents' heart. The day I was born, the day I was conceived, I touched my parents' heart. And the day right. I came out of the closet, it touched, it pierced their heart. And, and it had an effect on them. And, um, and because of that, they are now able to, we went, we went on a camping trip this week uh, for, I just came back actually from a, a family camping trip. We had been gone for a week. And my, parent, my mother made a comment. She said something about, oh, well, my sister has her husband. My other sister has her boyfriend. Uh, my mom has her dad. And I have my nephews and nieces to hang out with. She said, Lucas should have brought a partner along. You know, she made that comment. She said, Lucas should have brought a partner along because now he's the one having to take care of the kids. And uh, my mom would not have said that comment nine years ago, she was five years ago, or maybe even two years ago, but because of the adjustments that I have slowly made in my life, openly, these open adjustments that I have made in my life, and being confident and just saying, this is who I am, and having this, uh, this career, uh, this public career, and my parents seeing how people react in a positive way, it's not a negative, um, and not only that, but their love for me. This change happened over time. It's not something that immediately happened. Nine years ago, my mom would not have made that comment. Um, but it's a gradual change, and, and that's what love does. Love isn't something that um, 
that happens immediately. It takes time. It develops. And acceptance takes time. My mom, you know, didn't have very much contact with gays. Um, right. In some areas in the U.S., they still think that if you're gay, you automatically have AIDS. I was in North Carolina uh, just recently. I just got back from, from a, a road trip to the East Coast, and I was in North Carolina. And a lot of that, a lot of the old school individuals, the old timers, they have, that is their, their thought, their mentality. And it's not that, um, it's not that, that they were, that they're bad people. They're not bad people. It's just they don't, they're not knowledgeable. And, um, and that's really what it boils down to. But when it hits home, that's when change happens, I think. When it hits the heart of an individual, that's when uh, change is evoked. You know, you, you, you right. evoke change when, when you touch a person's heart. Right. And, and, and I understand every bit of that. And, you, you know, when I think about some of the gay television characters on TV, some of them I don't like because they often are very stereotypical. And I think it is better when they represent a character sexual in a matter-of-fact manner as if that, you know, as if that was the least interesting thing about them. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm just glad that now we can talk about this more. It's more open because, Years ago, you know, you couldn't hardly talk about that. If you talked about homosexuality, it was portrayed or mentioned in a sadistic, psychopath way or you was a freak or something of that uh-huh. sort. But now we have. We have come a long ways. Uh, America is still coming a long ways, but it's evolving. Slowly but surely, it's evolving. But, Lucas, let's talk about more of your acting. How did you even get into it? What made you want to become an actor? Well, I was in L.A. Uh, I had told you that I was in L.A. And, and, um, and I was out there because I was looking at schools. I had just sold the second company. I was out there looking at, at colleges uh, to go into fashion, actually. I have a, a somewhat of a flair for fashion. And I went looking at the different colleges and different schools in California and L.A. primarily. Um, and while I was there, I thought, do I really want to be – in school for four years to get a degree and not really be practicing, not really be doing what I want to be doing. And I thought, what do I want to be doing? So I called up some friends who were actually in New Mexico. They had retired from the film industry. They lived two miles down the road from my parents. And and I called them and, and said, you know, what's this acting thing about? And they said, well, first you want to go be an extra. Be an extra, be a background. Find out if you love it first because either you're going to love working in film or you're going to hate it. And uh, so I became a background actor in in some films, and, and I realized when I was in L.A., I thought, oh, I'm the best thing to hit, you know, Broadway, basically is what I, my mentality was at the time. And I went to an audition, and I realized that there were 100 guys that looked just like me and had more talent and had a resume. And I thought, okay, I did well in business in New Mexico. I'm going to come back to New Mexico where film was just evolving and becoming really big. I came back here and um, basically became a bigger fish in a smaller pond. And I worked my craft, you know, wherever you're at, whatever your passion is, you work it at the stage that you're at. And you become, uh, you become talented. You, you develop your talent at whatever stage you're at. And, uh, and that's what I basically did. I came back here and started working background and then started finding the different departments in film 
that I wanted to work in because um, I realized if you don't have a contrast, if you don't have something to to gauge whether you like it or not, you're never going to know. So I worked various departments in film and found out what I love working in film and what I don't like doing. And um, and it just took off from there. Uh, then the comedy started taking off because I have a flair for, uh, I have a knack for making people laugh in, in settings, you know, with friends or whatever, being spontaneous and ad-libbing and, and thought I can take that to stage and I have. And that has been really good because I get to see the response of, of my audience immediately. And that's what I really love is being able to connect with my audience one-on-one and, uh, and being able to see them laugh. I had somebody call me. I performed at a, at a Pride event, and um, this is, I believe, two years ago. And I was performing. I only had 30 minutes on stage, and uh, I got mm-hmm. off stage. And somebody said, Lucas, you were funny. You were hilarious. Do you have a business card? I gave him a card. And, and it, about a year later, I got a phone call from this same individual. I remember her specifically. I remember her. And she called me about a year ago. Uh, a year later, actually, so it's been about a year, she called me and said, Lucas, um, while you were on stage, she said, Lucas, I want to tell you, first of all, that I have HIV. I'm HIV positive. She said, but while you were on stage, you made me laugh. She said, you made me laugh, and you took me out of my own reality, and I was just able to enjoy living vicariously through you and just to enjoy laughing with you and laughing at you because all laughter is somewhat, all comedy is somewhat self-deprecating, and, and that's a lot of my comedy. You can make fun of me. That's fine. I'm a confident person. I can handle people laughing at me and, um, or laughing with me. And she said, you took me out of my reality for the, for the time that you were on stage, and I just want to thank you for that. And that is one of the best compliments that, that I've ever gotten because I was able to take a woman who um, her husband was cheating on her and and got infect, infected and then infected her. And, um, and she lost a son as well. I remember she said she lost a son, I think, in a car accident. But um, anyway, so, so a woman who had all of this trauma and all of this heartache placed upon yeah. her was able to find relief for it, even if it was for 30 minutes of her life. And that is a greatest pleasure. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, I believe that I was placed on earth to make, to, to laugh, to have fun, and to make other people laugh, to have other people laugh. And, and that is really, uh, I'm sorry? I was going to say, and that's why I tell people, you never know what your mission down here is. No matter mm-hmm. wh- what we go through, we all have a mission and a purpose. And, and speaking of that, about the woman who caught this disease from her husband, I had another guest who caught the same disease from her cheating pastor husband, he ended up passing later on years ago, and it's mm-hmm. it's just amazing how you can uplift a person by making them laugh. See, and that's that's probably your mission to go around and make people smile, Lucas. You know, I hope it is because that's the greatest joy you can bring. Is what right. else is joy but laughter? Laughter is joy, and, and seeing somebody laugh. And I got to say, a lot of my jokes, you know, I'm a blue comedy. Uh, uh, comedian. I am a, an adult humored, you know, my material is adult humored, but that doesn't mean that, that it's bad. It just means that it's for adults. It's for adults to listen to. And right. there's material for um, uh, there was Lamb Chops, which is uh, humor for kids. 
you know, and I can make my nephews and nieces laugh. You know, I can do voice impersonations of Elmo and, and Vern Troyer Mini-Me, and, and um, I'm working on The Simpsons because I want to make my nephews and nieces laugh. I want to see their laughter. But I also want to make an adult laugh. I want to be able to talk to an adult at their level, and there's nothing wrong about talking about sex. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong about talking about the realities of life. You mentioned about uh, individuals with sexual changes. Um, I've worked with so many of them, and they're such great people, and sometimes they get looked at and chastised, and you're thinking they're just being who they feel they need to be. They're just being true to themselves. And uh, right. that's what I want to do on stage is just be true to myself and and express that to my audience in a way that they are going to laugh out laughing because I've gotten myself into some situations where I'm thinking, oh, my God, I'm in this type of relationship. It's the most dysfunctional relationship ever. But I'll tell you, dysfunction can be fun, and that's why I stayed in it so long, you know. So there are situations in a person's life that you can turn, um, that you can find the joy in. And if you can't find the happiness in the situation, um, if you can't find that, then it's probably time for you to move on from a relationship or move on in, in life because it's too short. Life is too short to be negative and to be holding on to grudges. So, um, yeah, that's my mission is, is to make people laugh. And whether it's laughing with me or laughing at me, as long as you're having fun and enjoying life. And if I can bring an ounce of that to your life, then I'm better off for it, you know. Right. Me too. I I say all praise to you for doing that. We're going to take a short commercial break, and we're going to be back with Lucas, who's a writer, producer, author, you name it, he does it all. So don't touch that dial. We'll be right back on Blog Talk Radio. There's only one station that will keep you happy. Blog Talk Radio. We're taking more of your calls at 347-426-3751. Stay tuned. We'll be back after this commercial break. When I have an asthma attack, I feel scared. It's kind of like an elephant is on my chest. I feel like I'm choking. Sometimes my parents have to take me to the hospital. You know how to react to their asthma attacks. Here's how to prevent them. Visit www.noattacks.org or call your doctor. Because even one attack is one too many. I feel like a fish with no water. Brought to you by the EPA and the Ad Council. We're back with the flamboyant Lucas Cardetta. Um, He's so inspiring, and you just feel so much of that love from you, Lucas, just speaking to you. You can feel the joy that comes out of you just knowing that you can make others happy and that you have not let your sexuality even slow you down or even thought about it. Um, At times, though, Lucas, do you feel that your life is in danger because of who you are? Because most of the time it's hard to have jobs because of who you are. You deny the health care. You bully bullying the schools, and it's sad that people have to still be ignorant, but it is that way. Yeah, you know, um, I, you know, I turned this into a comedy joke, but my, my um, and I'm going to say the joke and then I'll say the truth of it behind the joke is <laughs> my parents always thought that um, performing stand-up comedy was the lowest form of entertainment. Obviously, they've never been to Walmart, but I'm bummed. <laughs> and that's the joke, but... Um, when I first started performing stand-up comedy, they 
were not, uh, I want to say that is the, the one thing that they were not supportive of, and the reason that they weren't as supportive of that is because they were worried that after I got off stage, after I performed a show in different cities, you know, I've been uh, to L.A., uh, Provincetown, Cleveland, Miami, um, they were worried that after me performing a show, uh, or even during a show that I'd be heckled, but after a show that something bad would happen. And, and performing in clubs as a new comedian, as a, as a new stand-up comedian trying to make a name for yourself, uh, you perform anywhere. I will perform if I'm sitting at a bar in, you know, in Houston. It's just between a layover, I want to make that person next to me laugh. And my parents were worried that uh, that other individuals would not have been as accepting as they are. And um, and that was a worry for them. And, and when I step back and look at it, that is a concern that I have to, to live with as well. I've had stalkers. Um, I, I had an individual who uh, went on, online, pulled off my photos, and, and put them on a, on a hate website. And, you know, I, I had to get an attorney involved and have those removed, a cease and desist letter, um, I've had some hate emails, not too many to be honest, but um, uh, Collins, you know, radio, radio Collins, like I'm doing now. I've had some people call in and hate on me, but um, but I'm okay with that. I understand. Again, it goes back to the third of the population will hate me, a third will love me, and a third just don't care about me. Um, and I understand that, and I'm okay with that. What I what I worry about is a world that my nephews and nieces might be raised up in, that they might be raised around hate. And I'm so thankful that I've got a, an amazing sister that um, that has explained to them uh, that Anki is gay, that Anki likes other guys, and it's okay to like, it's okay to, to like other girls if that's your preference. Um, and so I'm very blessed to have a family that, that is supportive of me, but there are those who are not, and that's that's the concern. Growing up, I was um, I only remember once that I was bullied in uh, by by peers. I was in elementary school, and obviously, I had an effeminate quality. I had these uh, you know um, female qualities that weren't so masculine, um, and that's on the outer appearance. But when a person really gets to know me. They, they know that I love hunting and fishing and going camping and riding horses and doing more masculine things. I love watching football and bat and uh, and boxing, but um, but there's also these uh, feminine this feminine side to me, and, and it was pointed out at a very young age. In fact, my mother said to me uh, when I came out of the closet, she said to me, "I always knew you were gay. I just didn't know if you knew you were," and um, and I was teased. The term wasn't bullied when I was being when I was growing up. The term wasn't called bullying. It was called being teased. Oh, you're just being teased. Forget about it. Grow up. Don't cry. You're just being teased. Right. And um, and it was being bullied. When I think back about it, a nickname that my cousins, the the, the male cousins that I had, uh, nicknamed me Klinger from Mash because Klinger was always dressing up in women's clothing, and um, when I was young, I would dress up in my mom's high heels. Incidentally, I'm still wearing high heels on stage, you know, so now I get paid for it. So life is grand for me. I've got a closet full of shoes. I love them. But um, 
but at the time my nickname was Klinger and and that was something that I had to um accept within time and say this is who I am and I'm okay with it but um but it it took a lot of a lot of soul searching for me to say I am confident being that person and um and it's okay to be that it's okay there's nothing wrong with it and I feel comfortable in a pair of tennis shoes as as comfortable as I will in a pair of six-inch stilettos. Um, you know, it's just another side to me. Humans are not one-dimensional. We we do we do not have just one side to us. We have many many sides to us. Um, you know, you're a mother. You're a radio host. Um, you're an activist. You have an amazingly bright side to you, uh, to me. Um, uh, so there are all these great qualities that even you that you have. You're not just one-sided. Um, we are. We have got many sides to us, and and I have many sides to to to. Um, your listeners have many sides. Well, thank you, I, and I tried to do my best to get the word out because, like I said, we're so closed-minded. We don't want to listen. Sometimes we want to stay caught up in our own perspective, and that's not the way it is. And mm-hmm. that's how my job teaches me at the Marriott. When you deal with so much of the diverse customers, your perspective is not as important as theirs now. You lose all that. Now, also, I'm very interested that you're um, co-producing a documentary called Create Equal, the Suicide Saga. Yeah, that was a documentary that we were working on a couple years ago, and unfortunately, in film, uh, this is a this is the harsh reality of working in film: is that um, documentaries don't make money typically, and it takes a lot of money to make them. And we run up, we ran up against a, a, a brick wall in terms of financing because people don't want to invest their money into something that isn't going to bring them a return. And uh, we're, it's still on the back burner. As a producer, you're constantly, right now, there's probably, uh, I'm going to say 15 to 20 projects that I have uh, going on. They're all at various stages, but you're working on them. And, um, and so that's one of the projects that, that I'm working on. It's on the back burner um, because of financing. And, and that's the harsh reality. People want to invest in something that is going to bring them a return on their investment. And documentaries don't typically do that. And, um, but that's one that is very dear to my heart uh, because uh, so many individuals deal with that. And it seems like if you're, in, if you're an adolescent or you're a teenager, if you're in uh, elementary school, junior high or high school, if you're in grade school, you're dealing with issues that are, you're becoming an individual. You're trying to figure out your sexuality. And that's a very harsh, that's a very hard thing to do. And so statistically, uh, individuals, young kids that are still in high school and, and below in grade schools, they, um, they are the ones that are more likely to commit suicide because of peer pressure, because of bullying, because of all the pressures that they have on them. And also, interestingly, is individuals, baby boomers, above the age of 48, I think 45 is a statistic, 45 and above, those individuals are also having a difficult time because now it is so, being gay is so open. It's okay. Gay is like, you know, 
orange is the new black, gay is almost the new black, you know. And so um, people are becoming more accepting of it. And around that age, 45, they are now saying, I really, my entire life I played the straight card. I, I had kids. I got divorced. Um, I did the, the straight dad or the straight mom thing. And now my kids are grown. They're off in college. They're, they've got their own families. Now it's time for me to live for me. And um, there's a lot of, there are so many more individuals than you would think that are now coming out of the closet and they're above the age of 45 and they're having to reinvent their life and rediscover their life and who they are. Um, And they're having to do this now that they've got grandkids. And that's a hard thing for them. And and a lot of uh, society doesn't realize that. They realize that um, there are pressures for individuals who are, in grade school and in high school and come, you know, um, but it's the individuals that are 45 and above, the older individuals that are now saying, this is who I am, this is who I've always been. I have just uh, held these feelings in for so long and now it's time for me to express it. And, um, and that can be a very difficult, very difficult thing because they've got much more baggage. They've got families, they've got children, grandkids, they've got mortgages and car payments, and, um, and they've right. got more invested. So, yeah, that, that's a difficult thing for them um, to deal with. It is, and, and then during research, it showed that LGBT youth who experience high levels of rejection from their families during adolescence when compared with those young people who experience little or no rejection from parents and caregivers were more than eight times likely to have attempted suicide and more than six times likely to report high levels of depression. Um, mm-hmm. So, I mean, as parents, we have to really not reject our children, accept it as what it is. Sometimes we want to go, oh, my baby needs help. Maybe you're pushing your child to that. We could be at fault, too. And then it's sad that they have to go to school and be bullied and and crushed down because of the way they are. Um, at some point in your life, though, Lucas, did you ever feel like you were trapped? Another person was trapped inside of you. You know, most of gays or lesbians say that they feel like this is not the person they were supposed to be. They were supposed to be the other gender. Right. Um, well, the way I would ex- express that is my mom wanted me to be a veterinarian. She wanted me to have a solid career, take care of animals, because I grew up on a farm and I loved animals. If I saw a dog on the side of the road, I would have to bring it home. There was no way I was going to, you know, I'd bring back ducks if I found a lame duck or something. Uh, you know, I was always a nurturer with animals. And um, my mom wanted me to be a vet. But as parents, you have to allow your kid, your child, to be who they were meant to be and allow them that to flourish and become the best person they can be. If you're going to be, uh, if you're going to work at a grocery store, be the best bagger you can be. Be the best person you can be in the situation that you're at, and and do it happily. You know, be the best person you can be. And my parents always let me be that. They always let me uh, have that freedom to just be who I was meant to be, whatever it was. And uh, whether I was going to be a veterinarian or uh, start a printing company, um, start a, a, an import company, whatever it was, 
that gave they gave me the freedom just to be who I wanted to be, who I was meant to be. And I think more parents need to do that. Kids have so many pressures on them. They've got uh, pressures at school. Uh, they they want to fit in because they're trying to find yourself. And I remember just wanting to fit in. And when I was, uh, I told you about when I was 16, and, and when I came back to school the following year um, after I had lost weight, I became the popular kid. I was no longer the one that was chosen last in, in line for, you know, to play sports. Um, I became the funny guy. I became somebody that people wanted to be around. And my life really changed, and you've got so many pressures now, I didn't come out of the closet until I was 23 years old, and that was a difficult thing for me to do. Um, it was a difficult thing, and yeah, I did. I, you live inside a box. You live inside, so to speak, the closet. Sorry to be so cliche, but you live inside that closet. And I remember thinking to myself, I would check a guy out, and I'd be hanging out with my Christian friends, uh, mm-hmm. I come from a very long line of of of, uh, of Christians, and at the time, I don't think they were very accepting. I don't know if they're accepting now. I've lost contact with a lot of them. But, um, you know, I'd check a guy out, and I would notice that they noticed me checking him out, you know, and, and, uh, and I felt so bad about that. I felt so um, uh, discouraged and unworthy and just dirty, and then, but then I think about it, and I thought they were checking out girls. You know, my guy, my my guy friends, my guy Christian friends or Christian guy friends, they were checking out girls. And there's no, uh, I know the the Bible talks about lust. It doesn't matter if you're lusting after a girl or a guy. You're lusting. That in itself is a sin. Um, there's, and in my life, I don't think there is sin. I think there's things that are beneficial for a person and things that are right. not beneficial. If a person has a drink of wine, it might be beneficial for me. A drink of wine to somebody else who's an alcoholic is not beneficial. So I don't believe there's sin. I think there's things that are beneficial and things that are not beneficial for a person. And that's how I view right. things. And um, and I remember feeling that. I remember feeling like I was just... Um, I knew that if I had expressed my true feelings that I would have been outcast. And I... And I am very glad that um, my coming out experience happened in a way that was uh, that cultivated love and cultivated compassion in my life. It happened in a way that I was not rejected because uh, I could have ended up with and so many young teenagers, so many young individuals, they are outcast and then they end up doing things that they would not want to do. They put themselves in situations because they're homeless. And so in order to uh, to be fed or to get clothing or to find shelter, they do things that they would normally not want to do. They become prostitutes. They become, um, uh, they sell themselves or they find themselves right. in situations that no parent wants their child to end up in. And, um, and for that, I'm grateful that I have parents that saw that and, and realized, hey, we are going to support our child and uh, because we don't want him going down a path that is going to be destructive. Um, we want him to have a good life, and that's what my parents did for me. I hope that other parents 
would see that. Um, I have a cousin that is in that situation now where uh, her grandmother just, you know, puts her down every single chance she gets because she's bisexual. And I think to myself, I think that is not Christ-like. That is not being uplifting. That is not being who um, who you should be as a grandparent, who you should be as a parent. Uh, and I don't want to ever judge her, but I know that 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 is not beneficial. Anytime there's negativity, it's not beneficial. There's always there's a, a proverb that says uh, a word aptly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver. If you say something to somebody uh, in the right way, it can turn their life around. It can mean the whole. It can mean a totally different meaning if you just did it with love and compassion instead of negativity. And as I said before, we have to start hitting these problems at home because they do, most people, such as that in the gay community, they find themselves isolated. And this makes psychologically damaged because we're isolating them from the rest of the world saying that it's not okay to be like this. We're making them feel unsafe at home or in the school system. So we have to we got to get rid of these negative feelings out of these students, these children. We got to start becoming one. We got to make a positive outcome. And I'm glad that you are bringing awareness with the documentary. So um, I also heard that you had PTSD. That I had what? That I had. Um, was, it, was it post-traumatic stress? Yeah, I had post, uh, post-traumatic stress disorder and uh, PTSD. I wrote for the Medical Marijuana Journal, actually, and, and that's why they asked me to write for it, but um, because of PTSD. And, um, you know, I'll, I'll talk briefly about that, but when I was a child, when I was young, uh, I think uh, maybe 9, 10 years old, um, I was abused by a neighbor, a neighborhood boy uh, that lived down the road from, from us. And... You know, it was a traumatic experience in my life. And there, I think the statistic is somewhere like one in every four Americans is, is sexually abused. Um, I, I, I'm thankful that for me in my life, uh, I'm using that to benefit me and to be able to talk about it publicly like I am now on your, on your radio show and to say, hey, you know, this happens. This happens to individuals, but it's how you handle it. And uh, being aware of it and, and bringing awareness to, uh, to individuals and to the, the public that um, it doesn't have to destroy your life. It can make you a better person. You can become a better person because of it and bringing that awareness to others. Um, because of that situation, I have an open communication with my nephews and nieces. I have told them you can tell me anything in the world. You can tell me anything you need to say. If you're mad at me and you need to cuss at me, do it. You're venting. Vent. It's okay. But it also allows them that open door so they can tell me if somebody abused them, if somebody hurt them, uh, what they're feeling, if somebody's being mean to them at school, if they're being bullied. Uh, Because of that situation, I have been able to say to my nephews and nieces, you can tell me anything you need to tell me. And my sister sister and and her husband, they, um, they support me in that. They support me having that relationship with my nephews and nieces 
um, because they know that um, that they are protected, that, that they are loved, and that they can come to me with any situation in their life, and I'm not going to judge them. I don't. I'm not going to hurt them. Um, that they're not going to be talked down to. That they're going to be uplifted, and uh, and that we have that relationship, that type of relationship where they can talk to me about stuff. And I think every child needs that. It might not be with their parent because a parent-child uh, relationship is a little bit more different. Uh, they need, but at least they have that, if they could have that with a grandparent or with an aunt or an uncle, um, with somebody older is, uh, you know, that is protecting of them. They need to have that. And I am fortunate that, that I've had two cousins in and um, that I have two cousins that have approached me and said, hey, Lucas, you know, I know that you are out and that you, you know, you do gay comedy and, and your comedy is, you know, what it is. It's a bit raunchy. I know who you are, um, but I want to tell you thank you and thank you for being that support in my life. And and they've come out to me. I am the first person they have come out to and said and felt comfortable coming out to. And I, And the only thing I am here for is to love them. And to tell and to be a support for them, even if their grandmother or even if their parents don't, um, they know that they've got love that they can find in me, and that I am a support like my friends were in LA. That I am the support for them, like my friends were for me, and uh, and I think that's that's what we should all be. You know, I think everyone should be that support and say, you know, I'm going to be your friend regardless of what you decide, whether you. Uh, if you feel you need a sex augmentation, a sex change, uh, a reassign- sexual reassignment is what it's called, um, I'm going to support you in that. You know, I'm going to bring up the negatives and the positives in it. I'm going to, you know, uh, but if you feel you need that in your life, then I'm going to be supportive of that um, as a friend. And that's all we're here for. You know, we're, we don't have much time on earth, so uh, we might as well make it the best we can and find the love and not the hate. Well, see, all this, like I said, is bringing awareness. And and I'm glad that we talked about PTSD because a lot of times we think of it associating with military combat, which is the most common cause in men or, or women who are soldiers. But any overwhelming life experience can trigger PTSD, especially if the event feels unpredictable and, and uncontrollable. So I'm glad that we are targeting that as well. Now, um, so before we get off the air, Lucas, I want to know what is your what is your niche like in life? Um, well, I've you know I've got my comedy niche and 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 it's um it's growing, it's ever growing. Uh, my comedy comedy niche niche, of course, is. I am an open, openly gay stand-up comedian. Uh, I love wearing heels on stage because, it, first of all, you know, I love wearing them because it makes me look taller. Uh, and, um, uh, you know, I love fashion, um, so that's part of my act. I love being dressed up and, and going out there and, and the glam, uh, the glamour of, of, of being on stage like that. Uh, Ethel Merman's There's No Business Like Show Business and right. that is so true. I watched a documentary of um, Janis Joplin, and she said in the documentary, she said, 
when you're on stage, it's the most bestest thing in the world. And uh, that is so true in my life. When you're on stage, even if I'm not on a physical stage, but if I'm making somebody laugh, uh, if I'm bringing joy to somebody, then it's the best feeling in the world. And um, and I know I can be a difficult person at times. I, I've We all have those stages. My sister said, I sometimes I hate you, but I love you so much because, you know, I, I'm kind of spoiled. I don't have kids of my own. I don't have uh, bills, so to speak. You know, I don't have um, – life is really easy for me, and so because of that, I can become – I can be a brat sometimes. Um, but granted, I don't have anyone else to care for. You know, I don't have kids of my own. I don't have a family of my own, and so um, – so I can become somewhat selfish, but it's making people laugh is my niche, and, and that's what I want. Um, when I die, I told my sister, when I, when I die, I don't want people up there crying. If they're going to be crying, I want them to be crying of tears of joy and laughter. I want them to be laughing, and I want comedians up there roasting me. I said, prop me up in that coffin, sit me up in that coffin, and bring comedians on stage to tell jokes about me. You reminisce about the times that I uh, walked out onto a convention floor and my underwear were around my shoes, you know, um, and, and, and they were Garfield underwear at that. Um, you reminisce about the, the embarrassments of my life that made people laugh. You make the audience laugh, and that to me, is the best part of living for me is that people laughed and people had fun. And when I was around them, they felt better about themselves because it took them out of their reality for a moment. And that's what I want. I want people to be taken out of their reality for a moment because I made them feel better about themselves. And um, that's what this, this lifetime for me is all about. And I hope the next one, I hope I do have a next lifetime because this one is so much fun, uh, just being authentic to myself, living an authentic lifestyle. But this one is so much fun, I can only hope that there is a next one. Wherever I'm at, whether it's heaven or reincarnation, whatever it is, I hope the next one is so much fun, uh, better than this one, because this one is darn good. Well, I hope that you be prosperous in your future endeavors. Do you have any upcoming projects coming up now? Um, you know, I've got uh I've got uh, in uh, in August I will be in Cleveland for the Gay Olympics for the Gay Games. Uh I will be there for that. Um okay. I will be awesome. doing I'm always doing open mics in, in New Mexico, usually Albuquerque. I'll be hitting one up. Uh I'll be in Vegas this weekend. Um I don't have any real gigs lined up for that, but I will be in August at uh, in Cleveland at the Gay Olympics. I'll be uh, hosting and performing there. And then I will be at in Santa Fe, New Mexico for Santa Fe Comic Con, and that is in October, the latter part of October. It's going to be the first annual uh, Santa Fe Comic Con. And I will also be filming Autumn Harvest, where I, play a, where I have a, 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 a role in that, and I'm also co-producer of that. That's Autumn Harvest in October. And then in January, I will be hosting Albuquerque Comic-Con, which is, I believe, the fifth annual Comic-Con, and it attracts about ten to 15,000 people. 
uh, per day at that, and I host that. Uh, this year I hosted Corey Feldman, G. Tom Mack. Last year I hosted uh, Vern Troyer, G. Tom Mack, and, and uh, several other individuals. So um, that's what I have. This year is kind of low-key for me. Uh, last year I was in three TV pilots, and that, was, that kept me very busy, uh, aside from comedy and traveling. Uh, so, yeah, this this year's great. You know, I'm happy, and I love work. I want more work. Uh, so any listeners out there, if you need a, a stand-up comedian, uh, give me a buzz, give me a phone call. Uh, you've got my, my website is lucascorvada.com. You can find me on Facebook and Twitter, also at Lucas Corvada. And, um, yeah, you know, it's just about working. I love working, love getting a paycheck, but also love making people laugh in the process. So, uh, combining the two, it's great. Life is good. Well, we definitely will be on the lookout for you. And good job, and just keep up the good work, Lucas. You're doing an awesome job passing off your love and everything. I appreciate you for being on my show today. Thank you so much. Technica, right? Technisha, I know. It's, it's a hard Technisha. name, I know. Technisha, I got it down now. <laughs> Uh, thank you so much, Technisha, and I appreciate you having me on air. I hope that your audience also enjoyed, and uh, I look forward. Let's recap in, in a year or so and see uh, see how we've progressed, and, and I look forward to uh, hearing from you as well and, and, you know, keeping on the bright side of life. Thank you so much. You are so welcome, and I'm definitely on Twitter with you, so I would definitely be keeping up with you. Thank you, darling. You're welcome, and you have a blessed one, Lucas. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, everyone, I have enjoyed my time with you, but I'm off to – I have to head off to work now, so I will definitely see you tomorrow at noon, right? Definitely. That's a, that is a bet. So you have a blessed day. Enjoy your wonderful day, and don't let everyone stress you out at all. Thank you for tuning in to The Bright Side with Tanisha. Come back daily from 12 p.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern. God bless. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.